ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Welcome back. Another episode of 1% Better. I am Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer of The Athletic. I guess football season is upon us. I can't believe it. Uh, it's it's kind of happening. Is it happening, Zach? It's happening in a different way. It's, it's still happening. It's going to be a little bit of time before we watch them play football, but this is a huge first step. And, and in my story I wrote you know, last night after our long talk with Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, look, it's not going to be the same, but this is a necessary first step. We're not going to get to football unless we get through this week and next week and the following week, and, and hopefully things go well. So, yeah, football's back. Just it looks a little bit different right now. Yeah, so we'll take you through some of that here in this episode. You know, what is different, uh, what you should expect, uh, maybe how you should change your expectations, right? Because I think everything is different, as you said. And then we'll also at some point turn our attention to the team and we won't get too in depth yet because we haven't seen them. Not even the coaches have seen them, but I do think there are some relevant topics that we can dive into. So that'll be sort of the lineup today. Uh, let's start right off the top. You mentioned Zach talking to Chris Ballard and Frank Reich on Wednesday. I thought that was really revealing uh, just in terms of kind of getting the lay of the land and how this is going to work and, and how they have had to adjust. I mean, everything's different for them. And they've been thinking about this now, not just since this has been in the news the last couple of weeks where the negotiations between the union and league really sort of kicked into high gear, trying to figure out how to start the season. Really, these efforts, they go back a few months, really, uh, for the organization in terms of getting the building ready and, and really starting the wheels turning in this process. And I don't think we really had an appreciation for that. Um, did you pick up on that as well? I, I really was struck by that, how this has been an ongoing process for months. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, these are Chris Ballard's words. You guys have no idea how much has gone on behind the scenes to get this building ready for players and staff to return this week. And I think he's right, based on all the details that we got out of them yesterday. I mean, Frank Reich is wearing a contact tracer on his wrist. Every single person in the building will be wearing those the entire season every time they're in the building. So when someone contracts the virus, if they do, they'll know where they were and who they came in contact with. And even down to the the little things like the way they're going to walk down the hallway, uh, the way they're going to order their food and then pick up their food. And everything's different over there. The, the weight room has been moved. The meeting rooms have been changed. It has been a significant makeover at West 56th Street. And they, if they can't pull this off under these circumstances, I don't think they're going to be able to pull it off because it's it's just been every T's been crossed, every I's been dotted. It is a thorough, substantial, ambitious change to the facility. And, and we're going to see this across the league in every single team facility right now as, as football moves forward. Um, this is a very, very aggressive approach by the NFL and, and they're, they're doing everything they can to keep their players as safe as possible. It was impressive. It was thorough. And to be honest, my takeaway was these guys are pretty confident that they're going to be able to do this. Now, let's not underestimate the virus. And we know how unpredictable that can be. And if, if, if nothing the last four months have taught us, it's, it's do not underestimate this thing. But the NFL is, is pretty confident that everything they're doing is going to prevent you know, the, probably the worst case scenario, which is shutting the season down. At least that was my takeaway yesterday from talking to Chris and Frank. Yeah, yeah. Same here. I really think that uh, 
their their optimism really struck me, and I think they they think this they can pull this off. They being the NFL, and and I think there are a lot of reasons to doubt this, but yeah, I will give them credit for being extremely thorough. I thought Frank Reich in particular talking about how he's gone to great lengths to educate himself uh, just about whether it be the virus or how you handle it or how you overcome the challenges, the coaches from various teams, even talking among themselves and exchanging ideas. I think there's a real uh, sort of league wide effort here. Like we're all in this together. I thought that was really interesting because generally you don't have that, you know, every it's every man for himself. Uh, there really is an understanding here that you know what's good for the Colts is good for the Titans and good for the Bears and good for the Packers. I mean, they all they're all sort of our rivals and they're in competition with each other, but they also are uh, in this together and have everything to gain by this working. So that I thought was very interesting too, and and that that goes for the players as well. And I think they are, as we have continued to say, they are a big part of this. Um, the the Colts really feel like the maturity level of their players. We'll see. Sounds good on paper and sounds yeah. good in, in an interview. But they really do think the maturity level of their players will be a boon for them. Did you buy and, that yesterday? And those were Frank Reich's exact words. He, he even went as far to say, "I think that's a competitive advantage." And yes, he admitted he was biased. He believed in his guys, but you think the Colts are better off than most teams in terms of having mature guys that will not put themselves at risk and therefore put the team at risk. I think we'll see, but I I do think there's something to be said for that. I I mean we've been around these guys the last few years. I I do think they have a different sort of player. They they certainly yeah, seek and a it's different type of player. The last two to three years, especially, I think. Like I'm not suggesting that if you get the virus, it's because you were a knucklehead, but being a knucklehead will probably put you in greater risk too. Correct. So now, so let's be clear that there are going to be guys who do everything right. And perhaps still test positive. That can right. happen. It's, it's because the way it is right now. That's right. I mean, this thing has a mind of its own, right? COVID doesn't care if you follow the rules. But that being said, there are types of behavior that will put you at greater risk than others. You hang out at bars, guess what? <laughs> You're going to be at greater risk, okay? If you- Do you want to be the guy that contracts the virus from going out to a bar or a nightclub or a restaurant and has to come to the facility the next day and answer to Frank Reich, answer to Chris Ballard, and then answer to your teammates, like a guy like Darius Leonard, or even worse, a guy like Quentin Nelson. I do not want to have to go up to Quentin Nelson and say, sorry, I put the team at risk because I was a knucklehead after we won the game on Sunday. So, you know, Chris Ballard made a good point. He said, there's going to have to be sacrifices we all make. This is the ultimate test of discipline. Can you sustain it? Not just three weeks, not just six weeks, the whole fall. So everyone's going to have to give that up a little bit. And it's going to there's going to be moments where it's going to be pretty hard for these guys. I really expect that. Look, let's be clear. Everybody on the planet, frankly, is making sacrifices right now. So yeah, they're, sure. they're not unique in that regard. Uh, you're making sacrifices with your family, right? There are certain things you can and can't do. Uh, we, uh, you know, my family, same thing. Well, it's the same here. Uh, and this goes across sports too, right? So if you're in the NBA right now and you're in the bubble, that, is, that in itself is a sacrifice. Look, I get that they're living a very luxurious life within the bubble, but you're in a bubble. You can't right. leave. right. <laughs> You can't go see your friends. You can't go hang out. You can't go to your favorite restaurant. Like those are sacrifices, small as they may be. There are sacrifices, right? And and potentially for a long period of time. So same applies here. Okay, if you are an NFL player, 
look, I mean, you're going to have to self-police, okay? For the most part, there won't be a lot of quarantine situations because it's not really achievable with a hundred plus individuals that it takes to run a football team. It's not, it's not feasible at all. It's not, it's not. So, and and then multiply that times 32. Yeah. Where, where would you go where there could be a facility where you could accommodate all of those people? You you really can't. So, so anyway, I, I do think you asked me, did I buy it from Frank Reich? I, I think, I think there is something to it. Is it going to be a foolproof process? No, it doesn't insulate them from the risk. Not at all. Clearly it does not. But do I think uh, it gives them maybe a slight advantage? Maybe. Yeah, I I think there's something to that. They already have a team, the Colts do, that is really big on, on sort of policing itself, right? The players kind of understand that and frank Reich, right that's how he abides he that, that leadership council that he has yeah they they have always kind of done that under frank Reich. the last couple of years that has been their mo so that will continue to be the case it's one thing for your your coach to to bang into your head hey guys stay home stay home stay home it's another thing if the guy in the locker next to you is on your case about it so i think that in that regard i think it's very different so we'll see i i, I do I think their leadership is pretty strong and you know you could you have some thoughts on this I'm sure. I I think their leadership in that locker room is pretty strong and if you want to call that an advantage I I buy that. What do you think? Yeah, and I think the guys they brought in are going to fit perfectly in this regard and that's not always the case, but yeah. I don't think I have any worries about Philip Rivers. I mean, this guy's going to be one motivated to be on the field. You just internally are as a, as a as a starting quarterback. There's just a there's a obligation to be on the field for your team. Andrew Luck talked about that for years. He, he would feel so much guilt when he wasn't on the field for his team. I think the starting quarterback that just comes with the job. Rivers is going to take this seriously. I just I just believe that. And then DeForest Buckner. I mean, this is a guy that seems really excited to get on the field and play some football with his teammates. And, and the good news for the Indianapolis Colts is, to this point, no opt-outs. No yeah. real serious conversations with Chris Ballard from guys. And, and look, that can change. That can change in the next hour because of the nature of this. But um, I believe these guys are bought into this season as weird and unpredictable as it's going to be. And that's reflective in the fact that if you're bought into this season, you need to buy into everything. And that includes a lot of sacrifice, a lot of discipline. And we mentioned this earlier. Like, I'm trying to think of like who would be the worst guy to opt out for this team, right? Like, hmm. Anthony Costanzo comes right to mind because you just don't have a backup yeah. left tackle that can play at that level. I mean, Raven Clark is a backup, but I mean, it's just a matter of time until Rivers gets his head blown off. So, you know, T.Y. T.Y. is motivated as hell. We talked to him in, in May, yeah. and, and this is a guy that's ready to prove once again that he's among the best receivers in football. DeForest Buckner, new team, new city, new contract. You know, is he worth the money? Philip Rivers, $25 million. Can he still play at the age of 38? You know, all these big pieces. I find them and I look at them and I think, I don't want to sit out if I'm them. I want to still prove that I can do it. I want to prove this is going to work. And the Colts as a team have a lot of internal motivation because they fell apart last year. It was ugly in December. And a lot of those guys were ticked off at the end of the season, including Quentin Nelson, including the coach, Frank Reich. And, and let's not forget that last game they played. They were whooped in Jacksonville by Gardner Minshew and a 5-11 and Jaguars team. And, and that's where they start, right? It, it seems like it's going to be forever away. It's, it's, you know, September 13th. It is forever away right now in this world. But they get to go to the city where they got their butts kicked at the end of last season. 
and start this weird season there. So there's some symmetry there. And, and I think the team, I think this is a motivated team, as motivated as a lot of them out there. Um, and I think, I think they're going to buy in and, and that means all of it. And that's going to be really hard. But um, I think these guys have the right guys at the top. And I think that's going to matter a lot more this season. Yeah. Well, you know, along those same lines, talking about what's ahead and and what's coming down the pike, I want to segue to this. So sports are back. If you've been paying attention, look, we got the NBA coming up tonight. Pacers Uh, are back this weekend. I mean, what in the world is happening? This has happened so fast, right? I wasn't ready for all this. Just going to be sports overload here in the coming week. So what does that mean? That means that we at The Athletic, we're back in high gear, too. And it's been it's been a weird offseason for us, all of our sports, you know, trying to cover these angles without the benefit of actual games, but that has changed. And uh, I, I found myself watching some baseball the other night. I've, I've watched some of the NBA ramp up games, uh, some what well, preseason for lack of a better word, scrimmages. And so what I hope is that you don't miss any of this exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. It's going to be, as I said, sensory overload. So subscribe now and save. Sign up to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. So if you go to theathletic.com slash 1% better, O-N-E, 1% better, you can get 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back. You don't want to miss the breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to sports, excuse me, go to athletic theathletic.com slash 1% better O-N-E for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. Uh, Zach, so we are slowly moving toward the point where we, we will see this team uh, practicing. We're not quite there yet, but yeah. But when we get there and, and once we start to see this thing take shape, uh, what are the storylines you're looking for? Uh, we, we know all the hurdles they've got to cross before they get to that point, but we will yeah, get there at some point. Yeah, we have to be point. patient. Yeah. What are what are the two or three storylines that immediately jump to mind the first day we're out there? What are you looking for? That's a really good question. I haven't really thought that far ahead in terms of when they start to play football. Um, it starts with Rivers for me. You know, sure. I want to see what this guy looks like. I want to see his throwing motion up close. I want to really get a feel for this new quarterback and so much talk about him. Was it the right decision? You know, there's a quarterback battle, which is always fun. Jacob Eason and, and, and Chad Kelly, that's not – going to decide who starts at the position, but those are fun to watch. I want to see how T.Y. looks, because if you remember last year, T.Y. was lights out in camp, and Jacoby was the QB they had the entire camp. It was never Andrew Luck, um, and it was the best camp he ever put together. And then the injuries really hampered him last year, and I thought if Andrew Luck had played football last year and T.Y. had stayed healthy, they might have had their best year ever. I'm, I'm mm. pretty confident in saying that. So you always get a feel for where T.Y.'s at in camp. In, in 16 he was the best player on the field every day, most days, and, and he led the league in receiving yards. So that was, um, there was some foreshadowing there. And then, you know, I'll be honest, put Quentin Nelson on one side, put DeForest Buckner on the other. I want to see those guys go at it. Um, I, I think the defensive and offensive lines are as good as they've had in the last 10 years, maybe since the Manning days, especially the defensive line. I think Buckner changes all of that. And like you were mentioning earlier, like a Sheldon Day is your reserve. That's that's good, man. That Grover Stewart is your like sixth best player on the line. Like that's pretty good because Grover mm-hmm. Stewart was pretty good last year. So I think the line is going to be more competitive than ever. And I want to see a guy like Kamoko Toure whenever he comes off the pup list. Let's see if he can put it together and, and have a bounce back season because he was pretty good last year before the ankle. So there's a lot to watch for. And I haven't even gotten to the running backs and the rookies and Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. But um, I w- so start with me, start with Rivers and T.Y. and Buckner. Those are the guys I'm watching on day one. 
Yeah. You know, you mentioned just, uh, you reminded me of something there. You mentioned Ture. Uh, and we had, I was actually hosting radio this morning. We had uh, Matt Eberflus, defensive coordinator with us. And he was asked about Kamoko Ture, who has been placed on the, the pup list. Now, that's not a shocker. He had that, you know, pretty nasty ankle injury in what, week five, I believe, last year uh, against Kansas City. Tore that thing up pretty good, had some ligament damage in there. We knew that would take some time, but he did not express really a lot of concern about his his long-term ability to play in the regular season. So I don't think that's something that people should obsess about. I know that was a question that I got on Twitter, uh, so I'm glad he yeah, got a chance to Yeah, the minute he goes on pop, that. right, it's an obvious question. That's good right. news for the Colts. Sure, sure. So we also saw a couple other roster moves, uh, one of them being uh, the move to the non-football injury list for rookie safety Julian Blackman. Also not a surprise there. We know that he's coming in uh, with a pre-existing knee injury from the, I believe, Pac. 12 championship, championship game? game yeah, yeah in december so so he's he's gonna be a little bit i think it'll be probably october before he really gets where he needs to be uh we'll, we'll see they won't rush him no need to do that he's a rookie let him break in slowly but just a you know sort of a, a note as we move toward practices those are two guys to keep in mind uh in terms of their status now the the offense i think is interesting for a number of reasons i think you know we've Last year, offense was kind of a, it was kind of interesting, right? They they ran the ball really well. The passing game wasn't that strong. Clearly, Jacoby yeah. had his ups and downs. This season, they've got a they've got a potential or the potential to be a really intriguing offensive team. Uh, I'm so looking forward to that. I, I think that one of the things that that Philip Rivers can really benefit from, I think, is just two things: the play calling and and the sort of play calling tempo of of Frank Reich. You know his ability, his play selection. I think is is among the best, yeah. and then the offensive line in front of him. I look. I still have doubts about where Philip Rivers is in terms of his his career arc. <laughs> okay, we will see. But I do think he can overcome that because of what's around him. I think that as much as anything is is going to be the key to Rivers' success. Um, I don't know. I I just think that with this offensive line, which is the best part of their team. He is going to benefit so much. And then with the play action, the the guys in the backfield, a motivated Marlon Mack. Okay, let's not overstate that. Okay, let, we cannot overstate that. A right, very, just, very, 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 very motivated Marlon Mack. Let's be honest, right? Let's call it what it is. Let's call it what it is. Yeah. So, I don't know. what what Offensively, can this team be – I don't want to say lethal. I think that's too strong. And maybe that's one of those buzzwords yeah, we use in the – in the preseason, but um, but I don't know. I mean, should we have high expectations offensively? So did you read Did you read Mike Sando's QB tiers? It's it's one of my favorite articles. Yeah, that come out every great summer. stuff. Um, it's over at the Athletic. Read it. Disagree with it. Agree with it. It's awesome stuff. It's great intel from about fifty league execs and coaches about where the quarterbacks rank in their mind. And there's some really candid stuff in there. And the River stuff is great because he's he's pretty a pretty hot button quarterback right now a yeah. lot of different opinions on where he's at some say he's done some say he's got plenty left everything i've heard the last couple of months from people i've talked to in la and san diego was like dude he just needed to get out it was just done the the, the career arc he had there the offensive line it was just the, the it had run out his time there and he needed something fresh and did you catch that thing that chris ballard said yesterday it was a very small nugget he said look that We've got some things with training and nutrition and, and things we do mm. that were really new to Rivers. And at first he was like, whoa, that's different. And this guy's done. 
He's done it the same way for 16 years. I think that'll be good in the long run. I think if he gets out of what he's done forever, that might bring out a little bit more in him. That might be different. Um, you see that with a lot of – like a new coach comes in and, and, and forces guys to do things different ways. Then you start to see a payoff. With Rivers, I think everything comes down to the team around him. I don't think he's good enough to lift the Colts to the, you know, to the Super Bowl or whatever, but I think with the right pieces around him, he can make them a lot better than they were last year. I think that's sort of where we're at. Um, Frank is adamant that this guy has not lost arm strength, and with the right pieces around him, um, he can get the job done. I think, and, and I've said this before, I think Rivers is going to let Frank call the offense the way he wants to. He wants to push the ball down the field. He wants those double moves with T.Y. He wants to keep the defense guessing. And last year, the defense didn't have to guess. They knew they were going to run the ball. It was boring to watch. It was boring for the players. They were frustrated. Um, I think they're going to get back to playing fun football this fall if Rivers can can get up to par. And that's a question mark. And, and I share your concern because, look, they can say everything they want, but until we see it happen, um, it's still an uncertainty. And that's the fun part about this season is they got a lot of questions to ask, but if they do, they could be a pretty good team. Yeah, so a little more on the offense in a moment, but before we go on, just a quick word. So most of our listeners, you are you know, generally in and around the Indianapolis area. So what better way to promote your business right now than through our show? Hey, our listeners, they're loyal, they're engaged, they're just like you. So what better way to advertise your business than on your favorite podcast? To advertise on this very show, just go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads. So podcast ads. There you can fill out a very simple form. We'll get right back to you right away. And so just go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads today. Now, continuing on the offense, I, I do agree with you. I think that they have a chance to be a, a really fun team. I'm getting all kinds of uh, fantasy inquiries from uh, from from fantasy experts, uh, our, our in-house fantasy experts oh, in some sure. cases outside fantasy experts, a lot of radio questions about fantasy. And it, it hasn't, that's not been something that we've gotten a lot of <laughs> recently. Uh, but the Colts, they're, they're kind of a fantasy darling. And I don't necessarily think that means anything, but it does, I think, tell you something about how entertaining of a, a team they can be. So so I think that's very interesting. I, I also think that Phillip Rivers, I think you hit it on the head there. I think you said Phillip Rivers will kind of submit to Frank Reich. Of course he will. But I also think there's a there's an overarching point there, which is this is not a team that I think, at least, is going to have to throw the ball 50 times. That's not that's not going to be their mo. I don't think I Frank think, wants to. No, nor do they. They don't need to. They don't. You remember want though, to. early early in 18, he was Andrew was throwing it 49, 52 times, and Frank's but they like, were losing. yeah, yeah, they were losing one. They were one and five. Yeah, and Frank's like, look, we're not going to do this forever. I I hate to do it, but I got yeah. you know, it was the only way they could try and win those games. I feel like and. When they played their best, it was when Luck was throwing it 28 times a game at the most. You remember? Yeah, absolutely. I think, when, I think that's the ideal Frank Reich offense right there. Yeah, I think if you go back to, I thought, some of the more complete games of the 2018 season, because I think that's the that's probably the the blueprint, right? You want to you had a, a, a certainly a highly skilled quarterback that year in Andrew Luck. Uh, he, a better version of what Philip Rivers is now, obviously. But point being, you had a, a very effective quarterback in Andrew Luck, but you still had balance in the offense. And I think you look at games like the Dallas game that year. Uh, I remember Dallas the, comes to mind. That was yeah. a complete, just utter thrashing of a pretty good team. That's the blueprint. Yeah. yeah, 
that game, the Buffalo game, where now clearly that was a, a lopsided blowout. They had some turnovers in that game that helped them out and all that. But the point is, uh, they really attacked that game with a really balanced offense. I'm not suggesting that this has to be like a 50-50 deal. That, that's that's just sort of a pie in the sky thing. But I do think here's the here's the bottom line with Philip Rivers. Okay, there are always opportunities to make plays, and Jacoby Brissett didn't make enough of them last year. There were those opportunities were there. They weren't optimum sometimes, but there were some opportunities. He didn't make them. Philip Rivers is going to have those same opportunities. And so it's going to be up to him to make them happen. I think he's going to be more aggressive and that's going to give them more chances to make those plays. So really he's going to have to all he has to do is just sort of follow the way. I mean, Frank Reich and and this offensive line, they're going to lead him to the water. You lead the horse to the water. You're going to lead him there. He's just got to do his thing once he gets there. So I I really think that's what it boils down to. Give him as many opportunities to make plays as possible, and he'll probably make enough of them to keep you in games and to give you a a chance to win. I mean, a a year ago, let's go back to like late, you know, late summer 2019. Rivers was coming off a season in which he was a legitimate MVP candidate. His numbers were great. It was like 31 touchdowns and eight interceptions. The Chargers were twelve and four. They lost in round two to, to the Patriots, but like they were, they were a complete team, and there was no talk of his decline. And he was coming off a great year. Now I've said a lot. He doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to be an MVP candidate. But the Colts, and, and look, I, I'll be the first to admit, Frank Reich knows a heck of a lot more about quarterbacks than I do. And if he's confident that this guy can still do it, changing the scenery, changing the system, and 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 like you've said a million times, the offensive line is going to change everything. Rivers said as soon as he signed here to Nick Sirianni, like, look, a big reason I signed here is Quentin Nelson, Anthony Costanzo, Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith, Mark Lewinsky. That is the one thing he didn't have in, in L.A. Is, is a good offensive line. I think that's what sort of pushed him into some more risky throws. And, and you know, Rivers is a guy that's going to try and make a play no matter what. And he's going to force the ball, and that led to 17 interceptions, I think 20 interceptions last year. So, mm. You know, maybe that maybe the Colts are onto something and realizing that look, if we just get him the right line, the right running back, he won't have to play outside of himself. And with a Pittman on the one side, with Ty, and you know, with Paris Campbell, you know, getting some plays from that slot position, you know, this is a guy that can spread the ball around. Naheem Hines, this is a guy who can get the spread the ball around and, and with the right protection, um, more than serviceable. I mean, look, the Titans went to the AFC Championship game last year with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, and, and do you think Rivers is ahead of Tannehill? I think the Colts believe that, that Rivers is, is more than capable of getting this done. Otherwise, they wouldn't have paid him $25 million to take Jacoby Brissett's job. Yeah, I, I think Ryan Tannehill is a great point. I think I see him as a, a very opportunistic quarterback, not a guy who is, is a guy to take over a game. And I just think that's really what the Colts need. I think they can run the ball as effectively as Tennessee. Look, they don't have Derrick Henry, but I think collectively they have a lot of talent at that position. So they're going to be able to run the ball. We know they can play up front. So I think there's a a little bit of a comparable situation there. And actually it's, I'm not suggesting that you wouldn't want Derrick Henry on your team. However, he's one guy. And so if that guy goes down, they have a huge drop off. The Colts have a lot of depth at their running back situation. So, I mean, it's an either or, again, I'm not leaving Derrick Henry on the table if you give me him. If you no, give me Derrick not Henry. any day. <laughs> However, that being said, I think there is something to be said for, for having a sort of a, a stable of backs where you have a lot of you know very consistent talent level there uh, combined with 
what they have up front. So, so anyhow, getting back to my point, they're going to be able to be a very opportunistic or have a very opportunistic passing game as opposed to a passing game that has to lead the way. And I just think that doesn't mean you don't throw the ball a lot. It just means that you can do it your way and you can do it. You can sort of set the pace when you do do it. And I think that makes you more effective and efficient in the passing game. So who knows? We could see an efficient Phillip Rivers maybe for the first time in a little bit here. Um, I would, I'd be here for that. That That's be fine with me. So it'd be very interesting. Um, let's talk about uh, defensively. I think the key here is, does this defense take the next step? And I know DeForest Buckner is a sensational player. I'm not quite prepared to guarantee you that they're ready to take that next step, but I think they can. Uh, what say you and how far away do you think they are from doing So that? I think they can for two reasons, and that's two names. The first is DeForest Buckner. We've talked endlessly this offseason about what he's going to do. And look, he's the best defensive tackle they've had in 20 years, maybe 30, maybe the maybe yeah. the entire Indianapolis era. And I don't say that as hyperbole. I checked with the guy who would know, Mike Chappell. Um, it's not a stretch. They've never had a Pro Bowl defensive tackle in the 36 years they've played here. So um, he's going to change things. And I was watching the NFL Top 100 the other night, and I was watching DeForest Buckner's highlights. I haven't seen a Colt do that in a long, long time. He's not Aaron Donald, but he's he's pretty damn good. And he's going to change the way Darius Leonard works and Bobby Okariki and, and the guys in the back as well. And so my second name is Kenny Moore. I think Kenny Moore is probably one of the more underrated, underappreciated players in football. And, and maybe I say that just because I watch the Colts every week. But this defense absolutely fell apart in December last year. And it was not a coincidence that Kenny Moore was not on the field. He does so many things so well. He tackles as well as anybody on the team, including Darius Leonard. He's great in the back end. He, he fights. He plays with physicality. He's he's contact from the minute the ball is snapped. Um, he's just a guy that steps up and makes plays that most guys don't make two to three to four times a game. And in a football game where there's 60 snaps, those are the plays that decide it. I'm a huge Kenny Moore fan. I was since the moment he broke out early in the 2018 season. So I think... Buckner and Moore are the key. You're going to get what you get from Darius Leonard. He's fantastic. I think yeah. Darius is going to get 150 tackles and he's going to make you know, interceptions and all that. But I don't worry about Darius. I worry about Kenny Moore staying on the field and, and Buckner. And those are the guys that are going to take this to the next level. They don't need to be the best defense in the league. They don't need to be top five, but they need to be top 12, top 15. You know, where they were in 18 and, 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 and you know, this is something that Eberflus talks about a lot and, and Ballard talks a lot about is, Turnovers. They didn't have as enough last year. And that, that you know, comes to a guy like Malik Hooker. You need more. And, and Kenny Moore is a guy that does that. And Darius does that extremely well as well. I think Buckner is going to really help them in that area. He's going to help the pass rushers on the end. And Buckner's going to get some turnovers himself. He, he can strip the ball as well. So that's going to give a huge lift to the defense. I'm not sold on the secondary, even with Kenny Moore back. I'm just not. I think it's probably the not the weakest position on the team, but it's the one I have the most concern about. So mm. that's the that's the key, and, and I'm not ready to go there. But they need to be better because, I mean, it's just not a magic potion. You don't just add DeForest Buckner and become a better defense. This defense was trash at the end of last year, and I think Darius Leonard used that word in talking to me in the locker room in New Orleans after they got their brains beat in by Drew Brees. I mean, the guy threw like a perfect game against them. So they need to be better, but I think Kenny Moore and DeForest Buckner are the, are the pieces that are going to really elevate them. If they stay in the field, they stay healthy. And they do what they do. Yeah. So, you know, one 
bit of, uh, I think, perspective about the defense last year. It's interesting. So they gave up, I'm looking at it now, they gave up 23.3 points per game last season. It's not terrible, uh, but I think with the offense they had last season, which wasn't generating a lot of points, that wasn't going to be enough. And so this year, now they they averaged on offense last year 22.6 points. So they got outscored. Now, this year, I think the points will come a little more easily uh, and they'll be more plentiful. I'm not suggesting they're going to be, you know, sort of this juggernaut necessarily. They got to prove that, but they certainly have more potential to score this year. So if you can generate a little more offense and that defense can be a little more stable, you can flip this around pretty easily. You know, I, and I think it's all relative, right? I mean, what the defense is asked to do is very relative to what's happening on offense, right? They go right. hand in hand. And I thought last year there wasn't enough synergy there, not enough on offense and a, a little too much given up on defense. And so what does that get you? It gets you seven and nine. So they've only got to flip that a little bit, you know, to have a very different outcome. I'm not suggesting the the goal is like nine and seven. They, they want to be better than that. They want to be in the playoffs. They want to win the division. But uh, they they aren't that far away. I think from turning that tide and sort of that disparity they had there. Um, look, this game boils down to you know having more points than the other team, and I, I think that is as telling as anything. So it'll be interesting. Um, I am I'm very bullish about some parts of the, some guys on defense, and then as you laid out have some concerns about others i mean look i don't have we don't have to tell you about deforest buckner you you know you've heard all about him by the way if i can get my act together i do want to do a film review on their on deforest buckner before the season starts so that you know what you're what you should expect when when this thing gets going and what specifically it's gonna be a whole new world for colts fans i've watched (laughs) the tape in detail and and i went through the numbers and you know ellis johnson back in the day and syracuse for a couple years in the 90s and booger mcfarland and uh, Raheem Brock, but like Buckner is a different level. It's gonna be it's gonna be something to watch. I, I believe from that three spot. Here, here's a here's a question, and maybe I'm getting off topic a little bit, but has is defensive tackle one of the worst positions in the Indianapolis era? If you look at the history yeah, of that position, I think it's the worst position, and I, I, you know that doesn't mean they haven't been good players. Right. But I did I did the math, and I think it's the worst. I wonder what Jim Mercer would think because he he knows as well as anybody, but. I think it's the worst position the Colts have had since they moved to Indianapolis. So, I mean, look, yeah. I mean, like even you've got, you've got, you know, cornerbacks who've been all pros, you know, even Vontae Davis a couple years ago, the punters, Pat McAfee made multiple pro bowls. Right. Adam Vinatieri is the best to ever do it from the kicking position. I don't need to mention quarterbacks. Marvin Harrison's in the hall of fame. Um, Edge is no the other, no other spot on the roster has yeah. never sent a pro bowler uh, than the defensive tackle. That's amazing. That's amazing. That pass rushers, you guys know about Freeney and Mathis. Tight ends. I mean, Dallas Clark was great. <laughs> Think about that. No other spot on the roster, no other unit had has Mar- gone without having a pro yeah. bowler. Marshall Falk at running back. They had Edrin James as a Hall of Famer. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Wow. So I think the, the look, I don't want to put DeForest Buckner in the Hall of Fame here or anything yet, <laughs> but just from a historic point of view, if this guy has even just a Pro Bowl season, which uh, there won't be a Pro Bowl this year maybe, but the point is if he has that level of performance, that alone is historic, <laughs> okay, for yeah. this team. Yeah. So that's what and, we're talking about. You know, the funniest thing is, and I was talking to Ballard at some point this summer, and, and he 
we talked to him at the combine, and it was quarterback, 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 right? And mm-hmm. wide receiver, wide receiver, right? That was all the questions. And he kind of had the, the first thing he said on the side was, you know, you guys keep asking me about wide receivers, but I'm obsessed with the D line. <laughs> and we kind of we kind of moved on from it, and you know, we just uh, that's just Ballard talking. But this is like the fifth time he's told us exactly what he's going to do. Right. A couple of years ago, he's like, you know, I might just draft an offensive lineman sixth overall. And what does he do? He drafts maybe the best offensive lineman in the league will see in five years. But um, the the three technique drives this thing, and we're going to see that this season. I think that's going to that's going to come to life. And no, Buckner's not going to be he's not going to be Aaron Donald, but I think Colts fans are going to see something they've never seen before from that position. Yeah, you know, I I think when it comes to Ballard, look, he gets talked about in these genius terms by some, but at the same time, I think some at some level his mantra is just kind of keep it simple, stupid, right? The the kiss, yeah, the, the sort of kiss uh, um, analogy, right? You know, I, don't I think, reach, don't right. overdo it, don't overthink it. You talked about drafting Quentin Nelson, right? And it's like, huh, he gets to Indianapolis in 2017. What does he find? Man, these guys can't protect the quarterback. <laughs> Gee. <laughs> so maybe I ought to get a, a couple offensive linemen. And what does he do? He gets two starters in the first two rounds. Yeah. Right? And then now you fast forward to 2020. All right. They're going through the draft. Excuse me. They're going through the, the pre-draft process. And a conversation gets struck up with the 49ers. Hey, you know what? You can have this guy for your first overall pick, which you were going to use on some guy who you think might be an NFL player. <laughs> so what do you want to do? Oh, uh, yeah, we'll take the guy who's, who's an all pro. I mean, yeah, and, you know and what they mean? weren't, you know, they didn't, they didn't think they were going to get the quarterback they really wanted. And that was the argument at the time. Yes. But um, in, in our talk since we've learned, you know, they asked Matt Eberfluss, if we could get this guy, are you willing to give this up? And he said, Yes and yes. Obviously, Matt Eberflus is on board to get DeForest Buckner. Right. And Chris said he'd make the move 10 times out of 10. So this is a move that could really reshape this team for the next couple of years. Like, I, I think it's one of the more bigger, ambitious gambles that they've made. And I think it's going to pay off because it's it's not sexy in nature because you're not – it's not a sexy position. It's the three technique. It's a guy that's not going to fill up the stat sheet as much as other positions. But it's like you just said, keep it simple. Win up front, and that's never going to change. Chris Ballard's not going to stop drafting defensive linemen and offensive linemen, but fans out there have seen and they have really enjoyed the overhaul of the offensive line. They know the beating that Andrew Luck took, and they really have, have embraced it and have a lot of pride in how that offensive line has changed the way this team plays football and they changed the vibe around the team in the city. I mean, they were they were the battering ram, right? They were like public enemy number one. They just got ripped. I mean, Anthony Costanzo hmm. among them for years in the Ryan Grigson years. And now it's a point of pride. That's what he's trying to do with the defensive line. And it's not going to change. And for look no further than the 49ers. I mean, the way they built their team, that's a fun team to watch. And I don't mean on offense. I mean defense because they make the quarterback's life living hell. So um, I think that's a perfect template. And I think Chris Ballard agrees. Just build up front and just keep building. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave you with one point uh, before we move on on from this particular topic, you know, when it comes to DeForest Buckner, I think you mentioned Darius Leonard and his impact. And I think that is a very key comparison, right? That one guy, and he wasn't alone, but the think about the impact that Darius Leonard had, the singular impact that that addition had. Yeah. When you add Change the great, defense. Yes. And, and the reason he had such an impact is because there are a couple of positions in this defense that are sort of preeminent. 
One is the three technique, the will linebacker, and to a lesser extent, uh, the guy in the slot was Kenny Moore. They have three fantastic players at those three spots. Why do you think they paid Kenny Moore what they did when yes. they did? They were two years early, but they knew what they had, right? That's a really good point about those positions and their importance in the defense. Right. So it's one thing to get a good player. It's another thing to get him at a spot where he has a lot of value to your particular team. So the Colts may be less inclined to go out and pay, I don't know, uh, a big time corner, right? I don't know in this particular scheme if that no, matters you, as much. You know, look, I you saw it this year. They cut Pierre Desir and they right. signed Xavier Rhodes for pennies on the dollar. Right, but but they're looking for very unique players at at those particular spots, and you can go back to, you know, the forefathers of this scheme. It's changed a lot, but fundamentally, it goes back to Tony Dungy and Tony in Tampa. He had Warren Sapp and he had Derek Brooks and he had Rondé Barber, which yep. is which is Kenny Moore's spot. And those three players right there, those are three great players, three of the greatest players in that franchise's history, uh, two of them in the Hall of Fame, and they they were the, the beginning and the end on that scheme. So so there's a lot of relevance there, and that is why they have invested now at all three of those spots. The Colts have heavily invested, be it draft pick or, or big contract, in those three spots because you have to have them. So this is a very, very deliberate, uh, effort that they were making at those spots. So keep that in mind as you watch this team uh, grow through 2020. Uh, before we get out of here, I guess uh, we should touch on this because it came up yesterday. <laughs> and I got a kick out of this. The one, no pun intended here, the, the one position that I think, or one of several positions that there's going to be a lot of talk about is the kicking position this year here we go i knew yeah. this was coming <laughs> i mean we had we had a little fun on this in our uh text back and forth the other day so uh chris ballard was asked about hey is there anything going on with adam vinatieri because the colts let's be clear they have never said hey it's over we're moving on from adam vinatieri they they keep leaving the door a little bit open even though we know at least i think i know that nothing's going to happen but uh just give me your thoughts there. I just think that they're afraid to say what we all know, which is we're moving yeah. on. I'm tired of this. I think I think right? it's just time to just come out and say it. Like, look, I, I should preface this by saying I think Adam is probably one of my favorite athletes I've ever covered in any sport. He is so unique. He's great to talk to. He's he's candid. He's honest. Yeah. He's forthcoming. He's a guy's guy too. Which he's, he's, I a, love. he's fiery. Yeah. You know, there's things that he's told me off the record that I will not write, but he's <laughs> honest and he's informative. We well, so wish we could tell you, by the oh, way. <laughs> that's such a tease. Yeah. And he's also like the best to ever do what he's done. So yeah. it's been awesome as a writer to just cover that and to be around someone so unbelievably good for so long. But it's done. It's over. And the Colts aren't saying it. And it's kind of annoying because Chase McLaughlin and... Rod Rigo Blankenship, I'm going to call him Rigo Berto 16 times this season. No question, me too. Um, they're having a punting, a kicking competition, and it's very clear that Chris Ballard said that, and there was no mention of Adam Vinatieri yesterday. And Adam Vinatieri is not under contract. He's rehabbing. Um, it's it's just not going to happen. And I tweeted yesterday that they're moving on from Vinatieri, and no, the team hasn't said that. But look, if I'm wrong, I'll eat my words. But it, it's just – I don't think the team's ready to say it. I don't think right. Adam's ready to close the door just yet, even though I think he knows. It's been a, an amazing 24 years. He's going to get his gold jacket in five years and go in the Hall of Fame and have those four Super Bowl rings. But 
Um, there's no way they can, they can have him kick for this team this season after what happened last year. And then I know how important he's been to this franchise and he's a, he's a ring of honor guy and all that, but it's time to move on. It's just time to move on. Yeah. I I think it's sort of a standoff, if you will. It's an unofficial standoff. What I mean by that is Vinatieri wants to leave the door open because that's just who he is. He is feisty. He doesn't like to be told no, or he can't do something. So he wants to leave the door open to perhaps kicking again. That's fine. That's, that is his prerogative. Uh, the problem with it is that <laughs> the the Colts, I think, are waiting for him to say, you know what, I'm done, guys. <laughs> right. I don't know if he's going to give them – I don't know if he's going to give them uh, or let them off the hook, I guess, if you will. So so we'll see. I mean, it's, it is not the biggest storyline. Trust me, I, I don't think – I don't think the fans are obsessing about this, but it's just kind of a sort of interesting subplot that maybe I only care about. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh so we'll hang in there. I guess we're getting there. It'll be a little bit now before you, we actually get out there and see the team in action. Yeah, um, I don't think we're going to see anything next week. They're just going to be on the field basically conditioning. Yeah, so they've got to have this 70, 72 hours of testing. Uh, they've got to test negative, I think, three times, if I'm not mistaken, over a span of 72 hours. So that is in progress now. They expect that to be complete this weekend. And so... The goal right now is to get all the guys in the building on Monday. They'll meet, they'll have some workouts, and they'll do a lot of conditioning and things of that nature, some walkthroughs so that they're you know getting ready for practice when that does come. But give it a, a week or two before they actually get out there. When they do, Zach and I will be there. Uh, we will get access to training camp, and so that'll be fun. We'll be able to bring you a lot of the details that we see because it's obviously close to the public this year. So hang in there. We'll get your there. eyes and ears. We'll be yeah. there every day, and we will write everything we see and keep you as updated as, as best possible. Yeah, so we're getting there. Uh, the wait will have been worth it, I hope, and uh, we will we'll enjoy it together. We'll see what, <laughs> what the future holds, and uh, we'll see if we can keep COVID at bay. So that's it for us. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. As I said, if you're not a subscriber, got a great 40% deal, 40% off deal going on right now. Uh, don't want to miss it. Tons and tons of content coming uh, from all the hundreds of writers at The Athletic. So please join us. Again, Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer, and this is 1% Value.